Welcome to the Emerging Revolutionary War podcast. Emerging Revolutionary War is a public history platform that explores all aspects of the Revolutionary War with up-and-coming historians and connects this history to the places where it occurred. We strive to make it fun and engaging for all audiences. We have a blog and website, emergingrevolutionarywar.org, where you can check out frequent blog posts and history articles by numerous historians. In addition to our blog, we are active on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We host an annual symposium that takes place in Alexandria, Virginia, and we now also host Battlefield Bus Tours. We also have the Emerging Revolutionary War book series, published by Savas Beattie. To date, we have four titles out and more on the way. These books offer a brief, readable, and illustrated narrative and include self-guided tours of the battlefields. So far, we have books on Lexington and Concord, Trent and Princeton, Monmouth, and Valley Forge. Check them out wherever books are sold. We always offer speakers that can talk about a range of Revolutionary War topics, and our historians have been featured in places such as C-SPAN, American History TV, and Fox Nation documentaries. Make Emerging Revolutionary War your home for the 250th anniversary of America's independence. This show is filmed live every other week on our Facebook page, so if you'd like to watch these live and have an opportunity to engage with us, check us out every other Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook page. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Rev War Revelry, uh, Emerging Revolutionary War. Uh, coming with you to here to talk about Revolutionary War battlefields, uh, what we like about them, preservation, our favorite ones, ones that have been lost to history. Um, today, I am joined, uh, and I'll go from my left to right, uh, with Dan Davis, Senior Education uh, Manager for the American Battlefield Trust, um, also a de facto Emerging Revolutionary War historian, whether he wants to admit it or not. Um, and also, here is Billy Griffith. Uh, he is the author of A Handsome Flogging, The Battles of Monmouth, uh, as part of the Emerging Revolutionary War series. Uh, battlefield or a book on Lake George with the History Press, and still is a avid New York Yankees fan. So we will have some AL, AL East rivalries uh, here tonight. So thank you, gentlemen, both for joining and talking Rev War battlefields here. Um, and so uh, let's kick it off. Um, we'll start with this time. I'll start with Billy. Go from north to south. There. Uh, what is your favorite Revolutionary War battlefield, and why? I know I know I wrote the book on uh, on Monmouth for us, but I'm going to have to say my favorite Revolutionary War battlefields to visit are either Saratoga or Yorktown. Um, I think Saratoga is just because the natural uh, region around it has not changed as much since the 18th century. It, it really there's a feel there uh, and there you can definitely um, feel that power of place when you are there. Uh, it's the one of those few battlefields that are nearly completely fully preserved um that you can visit all the sites of the various actions um and loving the the history of the upstate new york region in the french and indian war and the american revolution saratoga and the saratoga campaign was always one that i was immediately drawn to how about uh so uh dan are we staying north or going southern campaigns i'll stay north and go south 
def I definitely agree with Billy about Saratoga. It's just a beautiful spot. If you've never had the opportunity to visit, feel free, you know, you take advantage of it. It's a, in a great spot. Uh, there's plenty of places. I mean, it, it is still somewhat secluded, mm-hmm. um, but it, and it, thus it's in very good shape from a preservation standpoint. Uh, but I'm going to go south to uh, South Carolina and Utah Springs. Utah Springs, I think, is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Revolutionary War battlefield. Um, I think part of that is because uh, not only um, is one of the last major engagements in South Carolina in uh, the fall of 1781, uh, but because of the archaeology that's been done there, uh, we know now that uh, much more of the battlefield actually has been preserved when at one point in time, uh, due to the uh, construction of Lake Marion, that the battlefield was at one time thought to be lost, but fortunately for us today, it isn't. Um, a favorite part of that battlefield is uh, the road that uh, Nathaniel Green's army uh, takes to actually reach the battlefield and, and engage the British. And you really get a sense there. Uh, the road has not changed since 1781. And you really get a sense of you can drive it, you can walk it. Uh, you really get a sense that you're stepping back into time and you're seeing exactly what the Continental soldiers and the British soldiers uh, saw when you travel that road. Well, that's a good pick. When you went to South Carolina, I thought you were going to steal mine, Mr. Davis, and that is cow pens and the devil of a whipping. Um, I feel like you get up into the, the up country, um, you stand on those uh, the lines, the the markers there that they have um, for where the first, second, and third American lines uh, were. Um, and I know I might be called a homer here because uh, there are Maryland troops on that last line, but um, I just think uh, the success and just standing there's only certain places on in the united states where you can stand on such a pivotal part that is that and be there sometimes without another single uh living human soul um and you can go to cow pens and stand there and realize that like what that did um of course wrecked the the left uh flank of general uh, cornwallis's approach um i mean tarnished bannister tarleton there um actually created a wedge in some of the the troops that wanted to serve with tarleton i think it was what the royal welsh fusiliers or whatever like they they were done with the man after that they didn't want to go with him to charlottesville later on um and it also uh inspired i mean during the morning you see that copied again uh unsuccessfully though at two other ba- uh battles one um guilford courthouse by um green who did it somewhat successfully and then later on in a war that uh dan and i were just talking about last weekend bladensburg uh, in the war of 1812 that defense in depth um the double involvement that well in washington's cavalry does um the uh understanding uh they said what a great leader understands the men underneath them and morgan spending the night um how cool would have been to been like a militiaman standing out there on the front line here comes daniel morgan and down to have a drink or sit in the fire with you um, or sit next to the fire and just say give me two shots boys and then run go peace out i mean it's like okay i can do that for the old wagoner so i just feel like it's just an amazing count um that walk up from the visitor center and everything there um and i mean you the double whipping i mean that's just the, the, the terminology there just makes you um smile as well so um and i also uh gained a fan already uh nancy from uh said Calpens, yeah exclamation board morgan did everything right even when events were not under his control um and at some time i mean even john uh edgar howard um on the last line miss um understanding the the order and actually the retrograde movement a little bit actually helped out so for once um i'm not understanding an order 
refusing to lie and thinking it was retreating actually sucked in the British a little farther. So once once for the Americans, a retrograde movement actually uh, turned out to be okay. So um, Calpens, Southern Campaign, um, another spot uh, where the, the, my Marylanders um, did pretty well at. So um, those are the so we the highlights there. There's the there's the top highlights, but um, um, we had so, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Those, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of feedback coming through. So, um, uh, yeah, passing it over. Yeah, Billy, go for it. Yeah, and I did mention Yorktown as well. Um, sure. I, that area down in Virginia between Jamestown, Yorktown, and Williamsburg is just awesome. Yeah. And Yorktown itself, um, the battlefield, it's is very well preserved, and I think probably one of the most powerful spots on a Revolutionary War battlefield that you can stand on is the Surrender Field. And even though there's no action there, it's just obviously that is the result uh, of the siege. Everything transpires there with Cornwallis surrendering. And and for um, talking about a battlefield that involves an actual siege, the first time I went to Yorktown, uh, I don't want to say I wasn't unimpressed, but I was a little taken aback at how small it was in scale, the field. And that's because my perspective had been skewed by visiting, you know, Civil War siege sites like Petersburg going overseas to World War One battlefields to the long trench lines. Uh, but for Yorktown, you know, that for the Revolutionary War, that is a massive siege. No, and the is. battle itself um, helps tell that story. That is. And um, we were joking before we got on that how long would we take to get a Civil War mention? And the seven minutes is is what it was. But uh, you can't no, escape it, Bill. You can't escape it. Uh, but no, Yorktown, uh, one of the neat things, um, and I've had the, the privilege of luxury to doing, is going to both Lexington and Concord. Uh, the start, the first shots are around, and you're standing there, Lexington Green, and then going to Yorktown and just realizing what the difference of those eight years. I mean, it's unfathomable that, hey, these, um, and I mean, we Lexington and Concord, there's another ones that are pretty well preserved. Um, as long as you make sure that you say Lexington and Concord, because you don't want to combine them together. They don't like the, the um the the end or whatever the i forget the exact pronunciation but um that uh we also had someone come in a rob orison has commented that camden is uh the best preserved battlefield and uh i'm sure he's a little biased just ignore that guy when you see his comments that's coming um <laughs> but um you, you, if you want to know why he is biased though you can uh soon check out the next book in the emerging revolutionary war series we're not above uh some um promotion here so that's the next one coming out in the series about camden you can understand why rob orson is biased uh, about that but uh we'll get back onto uh the battlefields there but yeah yorktown is tremendous uh i mean uh it's i think uh, 14 miles or so all together um put it in I mean, perspective i mean you're looking at sieges on other wars just tremendously long petersburg you go to course what's happening over um in uh it's like stalingrad in, in eastern russia and mm -hmm. so forth where miles and miles but 14 miles uh still not short but not what we believe in our minds built up so um, but I'm getting tired of hearing my own voice, so I'll pass it on to, to someone else here. Yeah, I'll stay in the South and stick with the uh, sieges theme that we have going in uh, throughout 96 to folks. It's, again, South Carolina, 
it's in the it was in the backwater of South Carolina at the time of the American Revolution, still in the backwater of South Carolina. You really have to go out of your way to get to 96. But 96, uh, again, uh, looks just like it did in 1781 when Nathaniel Green laid siege to the British garrison there. It has one of the uh, on the site, you can see one of the two uh, remaining uh British forts that were constructed in South Carolina during the revolution, the other being at, uh, at Fort Fairlawn, which you can uh, visit uh, today. Uh, it's just outside of Charleston, but 96 is also a, a very cool site. Uh, and it also retains a lot of its uh, historic character. That's true. And um, uh, going back to the comments real quick, it is Concord, not Concord. Uh, it's Concord like <laughs> you've the book by Larry Daniels, not Concord like the airplane, uh, that uh, the El successful airplane. So, uh, for the so I apologize for our listeners coming in from uh, the New England states. Sometimes my Mid Atlantic accent um, gets in the way, but '96, yeah, is very unique because I mean you also have the early on the militia part, and mm. then you have um, the uh, 1780 uh, one uh, campaign there as well. Um, one of the other ones that um, I enjoy as well um, and was brought out is is uh, kind of on that preservation, not preservation side is Brandywine, um, where you have these like pockets. And I think um, that's a sign of what happens when you don't can't preserve it all because you kind of lose. It's that battlefield's always been kind of confusing to me. I know what happens, but you have pockets and so forth. Um, of there but it's uh um, yeah the, the 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 shame with brandywine is you have you're it's really in the it's at the the center of two crossing points and philadelphia expanding westward and wilmington expanding northward mm -hmm. uh fortunately the help of our partners there uh american battlefield trust as well as some other local organizations have uh preserved land and you can still visit there are uh, several locations to, across the battlefield you can follow the battle fairly well i think tra in trails and uh, i believe in december 2021 uh we installed some interpretive signage at uh, one of the properties that the trust owns so it's still worth uh it, it's it, it is heavily developed but it's still worth a visit no very true um and one um before we move on to other uh the other side of things than uh, non-preserved battlefields or so forth uh shout out both actually this is the only time you'll see me as a true baltimorean shout out to anything in new york um uh, but new york state parks uh i've done an amazing job of yeah. uh, preserving things um not only just the national park like fort stanwix but you have like oriskany and then like the, some of the cantonments new windsor uh, and so forth um these small little sites i mean oriskany is is one of those pivotal battles that uh really make the american revolution like the first civil war um i mean you have native american tribes going after each other you have the militia with against uh, some loyalists and so forth and i mean walking there i mean it's an, one of the most amazing monuments uh is there on that small little state uh, battlefield historic site or oriskany um and uh, of course, the uh, the story of uh, what Nicholas Herkimer or Herkimer, um, who's mortally wounded uh, there as well, but uh, part of that larger Saratoga campaign. And then, of course, we're getting some uh, shout outs uh, on the Palmetto State, the great uh, uh, Musgrove Mill, um, mm. and what else, um, Blackstocks and other ones that uh, these little, um, I don't want this not derogatory, but like postage stamp size preservation uh, methods or places where they, you get the, the scope of what's happening. Um, but uh, they pockmarked through. And I know uh, later on, we can touch about the Liberty Trail, uh, which has been uh, Dan's baby for a number of years. But um, 
All right, so we've got our favorite battlefields. We've real, real quick, Phil. Oh, sorry. Go for uh, it. So I was going to uh, piggyback off you talking about New York State Parks, and I'd like to mention one that is near and dear to my heart, and that's the Lake George Battleground State Park, yeah. right at the southern end of Lake George. And, and that, in my opinion, uh, is one of the most important pieces of real estate on the entire North American continent. Uh, during the French and Indian War, you know, the Battle of Lake George fought there in 1755. That ground is preserved. Uh, during the siege of Fort William Henry, the battleground park was actually the uh, location of the outer uh, entrenchment for the people who couldn't fit inside the fort. So that famous massacre of Fort William Henry actually happens on uh, the ground of the park as those men and women are leaving um, their entrenched camp there on August 10, 1757. And then it is a staging area for James Abercrombie's massive offensive against Fort Ticonderoga in 1758. Uh, there was plans to build a, a large fort there, stone fortification, only one of the bastions were completed and that bastion still is preserved mm -hmm. within the park. And that was used as a supply uh, depot for Burgoyne's army when he's coming south in 1777. There was a massive smallpox field hospital there. Um, that was a staging area too for Richard Montgomery's prong of the Quebec invasion, uh, just a, a tremendous amount of history there and uh, very well preserved by the state, but also the uh, Lake George uh, Battleground Park Alliance too, who we have had on one of our ERW reveries before. So tremendous strides have been taken. They even just put in a visitor center last year and they opened it. Oh, sounds like uh, another trip north uh, to Lake George is needed. I mean, if we're going to go French and Indian War real quick, I, uh, because of one of our compatriots, uh, Mark Malloy, I'd, I'm going to step up and say, if you think that's one of the most important parts of land, <laughs> Jemineville Glen, Fort Necessity, South uh, West West Pennsylvania, um, the shot, the first shot heard around the world, or whatnot, uh, and everything. We can debate. We've had debates before on other revelries about whether Washington lied about sneaking up on the French, but you have these two sites basically on the periphery of the. Uh, these two states, Pennsylvania and New York, that are very, very important for the French and Indian War, the the first World War. Um, I mean, you put it bluntly, um, but yeah. So that might be this, another revelry. What is the most hallowed ground of the French and Indian War? And we'll get people on both sides, the Lake George side and the and the Washington crowd. So uh, and then might... the people up north with the Plains of Abraham. In the Plains of Abraham. Yeah. There we go. We yeah. can make that. We're going to take this internationally. internationally. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we can get some people from Germany to go Minden or whatever else we can. Yeah, uh, we're taking this on the road. Um, but uh, back. So uh, with preservation, um, uh, of course, is uh, essential to uh, this hallowed ground. Um, and of course, is the basis for uh, Dan's uh, organization that he works for. Um, I mean, Billy uh, works for the, the Gettysburg Foundation, which is also big about uh, preserving, and he uh, does uh, great work with the leadership, getting people from outside business world and so forth to understand this. Um, but uh, the preservation, we, when you get in the mindset, we've said it earlier about preservation, uh, how small Yorktown was. We're, uh, sometimes we get in this mind of like preservation is going to save thousands and thousands of acres, but uh, a lot of these battlefields are rather quite small uh, when you put it in the big scope of uh, like Guilford Courthouse National uh, Military Park is 250 acres, uh, Lexington and Concord, there you go, I said it right, uh, 970 acres, um, and so these are smaller plots of land. So this, Dan, I'll kick it over to you, does it make it harder or easier when you're trying to preserve because of the size of these battlefields? Ooh. 
It is, you know, preservation, we like to talk about it being sort of a long game. You're not going to get, it's very rare that you get one battlefield and one fell swoop. And you really have to do it, you know, one piece, one small piece at a time. You're talking, you know, it felt 250 acres of Guilford Courthouse. You know, you might get a bite of the apple of three acres here, four acres there, and you just build on that. I think smaller, it tends to help, I think, in that in that uh, degree. But it's also, I mean, there's so many other factors that go into it as well. So, so um, if somebody wants to, say, donate and preserve land, uh, what's the best way to do it? We'll just we'll throw that question oh, out right uh, now. Uh, reach out to us at battlefields.org. <laughs> There it is. Perfect. <laughs> Plain and simple right there. Reach out to battlefields.org. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, and there's so many different ways that you can preserve land. I mean, it, easements, land easements is one of the biggest tools that we, that we utilize. So, I mean, there's, it, it, there's a number of things that you can do. And all, and all of us have had experience working uh, alongside or with the, like the national park service and you're at these different yeah. uh, historic sites. And it's very, it's, it's tough, especially when you get people whose ancestors fought or died or, or bled at these places. And they're like, oh, I want to get to that spot where my ancestor uh, fought or, or breathed his last. And you point out and go, oh, it's that shopping center or mm-hmm. that development has taken it over and so forth. And you just see that look of like, oh, man, I'll come across their eyes and, and so forth. But um, um, then, of course, you have the flip side when you can actually get someone to those spots. And that's that's amazing. But um, so, yeah, preservation is key. Um, um before uh, we can kind of, I want to keep this fr- more free flowing, but um, let's, this could be a heated debate. What is the the worst preserved battlefield that has been lost to history in the American Revolution and why? Let's start this conversation, um, see which one's come out. I think the, the saddest case is Trenton. Sure. So for probably one of the most important battles of the American Revolution and all of American military history, the battlefield itself at least open space does not exist. Now, we are fortunate that the uh, roads there where the battle was fought still follow along the same path, so you can point things out using those. And where the battle monument is today, it still sits on high ground where Henry Knox had posted artillery. So it is possible to interpret the site. It's just battlefield-wise, there's nothing much to see, and it. it's not necessarily a place that uh, you want to bring your family to. <laughs> That's uh, unfortunately putting it uh, mildly, but yeah. Um, Dan? Yeah, I mean, New York, uh, Phil and I, you were talking about New York comes to mind. Uh, first thing that comes to mind uh, when it comes to preservation wise, but I, I think Billy makes a great point with the the importance that surrounding Trenton, I think, is a greater loss to the, the, to the story and understanding the overall scope of the story, what happens late 1776 early 1777 it is no it um uh, definitely there i mean we uh when we were scouting out the one uh bus tour and, and you're standing there that went along the Aspen creek and it's just trying yeah. to put that uh, perspective and and how important not only i mean amazing the first battle of, of trenton or so forth when they come mm-hmm. over uh which i mean saves the american revolution um and yes mark malloy did say saves the american revolution um <laughs> And then the second one where Washington, you see, uh, I mean, just the, the prowess of Washington as a leader evolving, getting them to, them to Princeton, which luckily has some preservation. Um, New York as well. Um, tough when you're trying to find the plot of where the Marylanders charge there. And it's what on the side of, I think, a, a mechanics shop um, saying here's here's where it is and so forth. 
Uh, but another one was brought out uh, this by Christopher Jenkins, uh, Bunker Hill um, out there in, in Boston. Um, and uh, I'll add that Bunker Hill and then on the other side, Dorchester Heights, um, which, I mean, is the pivotal linchpin for uh, the British evacuating Boston uh, there in, in the spring of 1770, uh, well, or yeah, spring of 76. Um, and they had the, the Halifax, uh, but I mean, yeah, you have the monument there, um, that overlook, I mean, and, it, and flying into Boston or driving around, I mean, you can see it sitting over there, um, and you realize, um, but I think that's the only, and the park service has that visitor center there, but there's, that's it, just where the, the monument sits and so forth. Um, um, I mean, and it's not even on Bunker Hill anyway, right? It's on Reed's Hill, so we can't even get the, the right preservation down, but um are, so uh, the, i'm sorry going yeah i'll also throw out another one I th this one comes to mind but it may not be as obvious but uh the 1779 siege of savannah mm. uh and really it takes place the british lines are now uh, are completely gone american lines are completely gone they've just been eaten up by the uh, city of savannah francis marion fights there uh, it's where casimir plasky is mortally wounded and killed so that's another one that comes to mind but it to me, but it's not, it, it's not really readily apparent. It, it, uh, you don't really see the, you know, the American revolution when you visit uh, Savannah. So. No, there's that little, um, and it's so cool of a story, Savannah about the, uh, it's such the international uh, flavor of it. And of course, yeah. um, the mortal wounding of Casimir Pulaski um, and the, um, uh, and his um, contributions as a Polish officer um, and so forth. Um I mean, if you want to do that, you could even say that the siege of Charleston, um, what's left of, uh, I mean, over, overshadowed by what happens uh, later on um, oh, yeah. as well. But uh, um, so there's the big ones. Are we, are we missing a, a, a smaller one? I mean, there's well, a kind of the... another one that's lost the complete urban development is Germantown. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. There are still some historic structures standing within the part of the city there that, again, can help interpret you know when it comes to interpreting these fields as i mentioned with trenton it's not necessarily about preserving open space but if there's still landmarks that remain you can still tell that story like with trenton i mentioned the roads there's some churches there you have the old barracks museum there so mm -hmm. there is are possibilities there are options yes. and as we've seen the uh, incredible mark malloy lead a tour of trenton it can be done <laughs> And uh, I did have to reply to a uh, comment that uh, since Mark Malloy is not on the call, for those that uh, don't know who Mr. Malloy is, um, but uh, we, him and I have had um, healthy debates about the, the, what saves the American Revolution. And is it Trenton or is it just Washington himself? Um, but Germantown, uh, if I could just speak for a moment, I mean, talking about pivotal battles or battlefields, obviously there's uh, you've got Cleveland or Cliveden that's still there, and then uh, a little bit of um, some of the other houses. But it is one of those battles that gets completely uh, talking about overshadowed uh, by, of course, the uh, major victories at uh, Bemis Heights um, and uh, Saratoga up north, but uh, at Freeman's Farm. But it is one that actually plays a major part uh, when I was writing the uh, the book on Valley Forge. Um, a little bit about the French and, and them coming in at that time. Saratoga is the highlight, but Germantown shows uh, Washington and the prowess of the main army that less than a month after being um, defeated at Brandywine, losing the, the capital of the colonies, Washington not, is within a very what, lucky and meteorological phenomenon of actually destroying part of the British army there in early October of 1777. And that also shows that Washington is still in command and control of the army. So um, amazing battle, 
Uh, Michael Harris has written a great book on it um, mm -hmm. as part oh, of it. Yeah. So definitely overshadowed by Saratoga, rightfully so in many ways, but other ways um, definitely owns its own right. Um, and uh, as people, um, we have a least preserved is Brooklyn, um, Leslie's Retreat in Salem. We have some uh, great comments coming in. Uh, it's barely preserved, just a small city park surrounded by commercial buildings. Um, one of those cool little tales of the early period where they march across the bridge, what, 100 paces, stop, turn around, and come back. Um, just things that you read about initially in history books, and you go, wow, like that's that that's it there. Um, and uh, but um, so going, so bigger, the bigger things, preservation. Um, wise we've kind of kind of run the gamuts um but uh any let's open it up for further discussion is there a, a preservation moment that has uh, excited uh either of you two that you've seen come across or that you're eager to see get preserved here um and in, in the near future something that could really help uh expand um what we are all interested in this early period of american history Figured I'd throw a good question out like that. Um, I, uh, if you guys start taking a moment, I, I will keep talking. I have a, uh, I have some comments. I'll, that, I'll tip in. I'll I'll tip in first. And as Phil mentioned, one of the major efforts that I've been involved with, and the trust's been involved with, with our partners at the South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust in South Carolina is the Liberty Trail, which is uh, preserving the uh, battlefields of South Carolina. In fact, Georgia as well, Kettle Creek, uh, in Georgia. Um, but uh, preserving the battlefields of the Southern theater, the Southern campaign, primarily in obviously in South Carolina. Uh, but another big one, and we, uh, Billy mentioned this a few minutes ago, ties in with the story with Trenton, but at Princeton, Maxwell's Field and Washington rallying the uh, Continentals and leading uh, a counterattack against the British that, that, you know, won the day and capped off what is known as the 10 crucial days that helped you know, completely shift the focus and the trajectory of the American Revolution. So yeah, the Liberty Trail, um, one of the neat things that uh, I'd like to see happen, I'm not sure if it's going to, is more emphasis and uh, interest in kind of the um, the frontier. Um, I mean, George Rogers Clark, um, the battle that's happened in St. Louis, the uh, the roll down in, uh, of course, um, spending a few, number of years in Florida, um, always have to campaign for um, what happens in, uh, of course, Pensacola or um, the American efforts to try to get into um, St. Augustine and, and so forth, uh, which plays a uh, role. And I mean, the importance there, too, that's understudied by the uh, the British of, I mean, the reason they're they're evacuating Philadelphia is because of the French involvement and how important Florida and, uh, and the Caribbean, uh, the West Indies are. And so um, I'd also, um, I'm going to campaign just because I, I'd love to be the first site manager there of the first Marine amphibious landing there in the Bahamas. If someone wants to, I would, I mean, most times of the year, I will be the site manager there. Um, I will gladly uh, represent American interests there in the Bahamas. Um, I, I'm the, drinking i could drink rum instead of whiskey uh really easily but uh so preservation um and recently scholarship has started to come out on more of the international uh implications of the american revolution so i think that's a cool story that somehow we could interweave not only between the baron von steubens and and the polish officers and so forth but preservation of what this means as uh, as outward from uh these battlefields so um that's me grandstanding though campaigning the Bahamas um, and, and preservation. Um, but uh, we also have a ploy 
I'm, I'm amazed at the comments and stuff that are coming in today about preservation or lack of. Uh, Judith has uh, thrown in the uh, loss of the battlefields of Connecticut Farms and Springfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there in New Jersey. Um, so battlefields that have small little markers um, um, right outside. Uh, what is that? That's not the Forge Wars battles, are they? Or is that part of that? No, that's, yeah, that's uh, in 1780. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Clinton kind of probing out of New York City into New Jersey. Um and his last efforts to try to kind of get at Washington. So, there, so that's is that the Forge Wars then is when he's trying to get at Washington, or is that and the Springfield and uh, Connecticut Farms are different then, correct? Yeah. yeah. I know I should probably know everything, but uh, I, I do not uh, that. Um, we also have a, uh, Dave has said that the state of Ohio has announced that building the replica of Fort Lawrence or Lauren is now ready to go. So, um, nice. there's a guy uh, talking about lack of preservation. Um, the, I think they just recently found where um, he is, right? Uh, John Lawrence, where uh, down on the Combat, Combahee, Combahee, yeah. there it is, Combahee yeah. River, um, uh, a place that he has, should have no spot in. Uh, thought about it, one of those um, uh, fruitless deaths. I guess every death mm -hmm. in battle is uh, lamented, but that one. Lawrence is it's just what is he doing oh that's the, the number one question yeah and uh, I mean that battlefield was found because of archaeology and it just goes to point we have a special guest <laughs> joining us as well um and it just goes and it underscores the uh value of archaeology and helping us not only understand the past but under but locating some of these battlefields that we thought were at one point in time lost so, I mean, yeah, preservation, archaeology, all adds uh, to the their overall scope. So um, now talk about, uh, so is there, um, I, I hate to say this question, but going to, is there battlefields that are over-preserved or over-interpreted in your minds or should need a refresh of interpretation? I think if maybe, yeah, for like a, a refresh or a battlefield that is, Underinterpreted. There you go. Would one, in my opinion, would be um, the Carillon battlefield outside of the walls of Ticonderoga, because mm. there's only a small stretch off the road where they have, you know, the rebuilt, preserved French earthworks there with a few sign and signs. But I know recently they have added some more walking trails and to get you just at least out to explore some of those areas. But that the region right outside there, the walls of Ticonderoga, it is all still preserved. I mean, even if it's not actually interpreted, it is preserved. You know, the bloodiest battle fought in the North American continent all the way up until the American Civil War. It is, it is definitely a very, very important piece of real estate. And um, Ticonderoga itself is worth a visit for anybody who is interested in 18th century histories. Definitely. Uh, I'll second that. Uh, I mean, that's... Third. All third. Motion and passes. It's, <laughs> and it's amazing. I mean, you just come upon it. You're like in the wilds of New York and this thing just... And just mm -hmm. um, impressive. I mean, um, rivals anything in in the Western Hemisphere of uh, this the just construction and being able to do it. Um, I mean, in engineering and so forth. Um, not under under interpreted, underappreciated. Um, I will uh, I'll throw out the uh, the race to the Dan or the crossing to the Dan. Um, usually, there's nothing sexy about a retreat. Um, there's nothing. Um, that's glorious about um, 
miles and miles of trying to get away from the enemy as quick as possible. But uh, it's one of those you um, understand the larger scope, um, the the war that well, uh, and we'll see it later on with the the kind of the slash and burn techniques that the Russians use in War Two or or so forth, where you kind of you're drawing the enemy out. And I mean, Washington or Green does that tremendously, and it's Green's uh, lack uh, or. or excuse me, is preparation beforehand, how much goes into planning on understanding the rivers, understanding the topography, understanding supply routes, things that don't get really discussed that he learned a lot as a quartermaster or uh, in support services, or unfortunately taking his lumps in New York at Fort Washington. Um, and and he takes that into uh, the Southern campaign. And so the, uh, South Boston, Virginia has a great little uh, exhibit uh, and everything because where he ends up. Uh, but I think that's a remarkable trail um, that needs to be uh, better emphasized. And there's some good books that have recently come out about it. Um, and we had one of the authors here about two years ago to the ends of the world, I think it uh, was about uh, who's an environmentalist, which was very interesting to hear his take. He looked at it, of course, from a different uh, standpoint. And then I think something that needs a refresh um, is, and I'll, it led me when you said something about Ticonderoga is, uh, Henry Knox's amazing um, uh, removal of the artillery to Boston um, and being able to do that, um, especially too, which gets under appreciated is that he, his wife, uh, Lucy is of course from a very uh, pro uh, British or loyalist family. Mm -hmm. And he gets her out of Boston and goes, Oh, by the way, hang out with these people for a little bit in this house. I'll be gone for a few months trying to find artillery. And she said, I mean, let's give a shout out to her for supporting the wait. You just removed me from everything I knew, and now I'm staying with these people, and you're going where for how long? Um, so bringing those guns back, which, I mean, basically makes the Siege of Boston a success for the uh, the American side. So I think I know there's – at one time there were markers or some uh, – someone can um, – uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's some markers, but I don't know if the trail is still in existence or who maintains it, but I, th I would like to see that. All the markers are still there along the sides of the road. Road. So something, uh, something like literature or something like bigger out. I know there's a recent history a few years ago that was written about it um, and so forth, but it's something that it's just a cool, awesome story uh, of Henry Knox um, and the removal of those guns from uh, Fort Ticonderoga, but uh, which, um, if we're talking about it, uh, um, this, the also Fort Ticonderoga is there's initial action of the takeover um, with one of Billy's favorite uh, people of the American Revolution. The talk about needs of rehabilitation is uh, Benedict Arnold, uh, but him and uh, was it Ethan Allen that are initially there um, yeah. and everything and there's or that early part. So Fort Ticonderoga, I mean, layers upon layers of history that are just so important um, to, the, you know, to the United States history. So those are my picks. Um, but uh Let's keep the, the conversation going. So we've got preserved battlefields, our favorite battlefields. Let's um what's a, a cool story from some battlefield experience you had, an interaction we've all led tours, some crazy fun, someone on your tour. I mean, I always like leading people around Monmouth. I mean, I'd feel bad if I didn't get Monmouth a shout out. It's probably the best. Best preserve, I'd say, New Jersey battlefield that's out there for the scale of it as well, at least for uh, the afternoon actions of the battle. Because that's kind of that's a battlefield where the first half of it, the morning engagement, uh, when Charles Lee is fighting up against the rear of Clinton's army as they're leading Freehold and the action commences, basically that whole part of the battlefield has been developed. 
But then where the Monmouth Battlefield State Park is, is the afternoon action. Um, and, and it is very well preserved, great walking trails there, great visitor center, um, great staff. They have a friends organization as well that helps to continue um, continuously interpret that battlefield. Um, I know Phil and I just recently actually took the uh, Newark office of the U.S. Secret Service around Monmouth um, for a tour, and that was an incredible experience. Um, so very fortunate that being part of Emerging Revolutionary War has um, opened up those opportunities where we have been able to uh, uh, be introduced to groups like that and, and help them learn this history. Uh, yeah. just, uh, hit a chord real quick before we move on, Billy, with John uh, Resto giving you the shout outs of uh, Punny Mama. Yeah. So uh, nice to see you uh, tuning in, John, but uh, going down, didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no. Uh, I'll go back to my first one. Utah Springs is a great place to give tours. Um, but I'll, also, I'll go back to one of Billy's in uh, Yorktown. Yorktown is, uh, it, it's you can do it in a day, but the, just given the size of the battlefield itself, you can do it in two hours. And it's even, you know, it, there are trails, but even then you can go off the, uh, the trails and get a group around the entire battlefield, essentially do a loop uh, circled that starts at the visitor center. They'll, you can go out to uh, the French or the Allied uh siege lines parallels and then up to reconstructed readouts uh nine and ten then back to the visitor center so uh that's another one of those uh, uh battlefields that i really enjoy giving tours of. and uh so uh we had a question come in uh and then i'll actually throw another or uh, my answer out but um is there anything preserved at valcor island so we had a question does anyone know yeah lake champlain lake yeah. preserved yep mm -hmm. it's still there but now Valcor Island still does exist. There is actually a marker there um, near where the battle site was in that little inlet between the Western shore and then the, uh, the uh, or Eastern shore Lake Champlain, Western shore of the island. There you go. So great. Uh, someone yeah, wrote in, uh, had the question there. So I'm glad we were able to answer that. Um, one of the bait, um, and I'm going to go out of the Rev War a little bit because it was very awesome to actually do was last weekend giving the initial tour of um, our teachers to the uh, Battle of North Point, um, War of 1812, mm -hmm. the land site. Um, one of the things I think is uh, great about what we do at Emerging Revolutionary War, and then it dovetails nicely with the American Battlefield Trust, is putting people in these hollowed places that usually they would never go visit. I mean, especially um, because of the lack of preservation or the, uh, which reinforces the need for an organization like the American Battlefield Trust to, to be around. But going to these, because um, there's three or four different sites Tribute to North Point, of course, like any tour you do, you start to run out of time. Um, you want to hit it all, um, and then you start uh, winning it down and so forth. Uh, but yeah, North Point, which um, rightfully so in a lot of ways gets overshadowed by the bombardment of Fort McHenry. Um, and But it is uh, the pivotal part of destroying the land-based operation of the, the British two-pronged uh, from the Navy-Army joint operation, and also um, uh, the death of... Um, the uh, uh the British commander Robert Ross um and it was uh, what's great about giving tours and programs is you're supposed to be the quote unquote expert on the field but you always have a uh, visitors or guests who have this unique knowledge on a specific subject and uh one of the guys credited with killing Ross McComas um uh his family uh is still uh in existence in uh Howard County uh named after John Edgar Howard um, and and runs a uh, funeral home that um, is on this major intersection that I used to go by when we would visit, go out from Baltimore to visit uh, relatives in Carroll County. And so passed it for years and years and years, never knowing that this guy's 
was one of the two, three credited with uh, firing the rifle uh, shot into Robert Ross there in September of 1814. So um, that's that's the, the preservation um, there. Um, another one, uh, we have a uh, gentleman, Bill Welsh, uh, come to visit the Revolutionary Battle of Petersburg, Virginia. Yep. Um, and, yeah, uh, Blanford. Blanford. Um, yeah. And, and so, and then, of course, the... Uh, the the death there of what William of uh, later not at the battle but William Phillips the death there yeah, what, yeah. what that buried means there. buried mm -hmm. there and so forth um and then uh it's uh, that's it's remarkable that you have these battlefields um over in Virginia I mean you go to Yorktown of course the the main highlight but um Green Springs yep. as well mm -hmm. um, yeah uh Great Spencer's Bridge Ordinary. Spencer's Ordinary Great Bridge yes. um. Uh, the Petersburg, um, the fighting at Lafayette and uh, von Steubenville, um, and then of course even uh, some of these the the raid to Monticello and Charlottesville by Tarleton, um, also some of the uh, the encampment sites. Um, that's one of the neat things um, about these uh, preservation of American battlefields is you have Valley Forge and Morristown both preserved as uh, major encampment sites, um, which I think it's. To correct me, I mean, uh, there's by default in this that later war that they we have sites preserved, but we don't have any site completely dedicated to a winter encampment in the Civil War, where we have a state park in New York and two national park units for the American Revolution. Yeah. And there's planet. even a, a tiny park for uh, the Middlebrook encampment uh, as well, mm -hmm. and a lot uh, of the uh, the structures that were used as officers' headquarters too are still preserved and, and a lot of them either run as historical societies or museums like the Wallace House where Washington was in Somerville. But what does not stand though is the tavern at Basking Ridge. Um that, that would have been the, great. Yep, the Little White's Tavern. Little White's. Right. There is there is a sign there. It, it a, is a it's a overgrown lot. So it's not like there's any modern structure on it. So what you're saying is we could get money together, redo the tavern, and then we could sit there and just drink and commemorate Charles Lee. And that's so, right, Charles Lee National Historic Site. There you go. We're petitioning the American Battlefield Trust to see if we can uh, save that <laughs> land. Yeah, well, the trust does have, uh, <laughs> at least in Culpeper, the Army of the Potomac's winter camp in the 63-64, uh, a number of acres preserved uh, from uh, uh, the Army of the Potomac's winter camp right before the beginning of uh, the Overland Campaign, which will soon become a state park. Uh, in July of uh, next year. So there's a fair amount in Culpeper that's been preserved from, you know, just talking encampment site uh, sites from uh, the yeah, Civil War. But Stafford. I'll also go back to, what's that? I was at Stafford Civil War Park too. Yeah, the Stafford, there's a Stafford Civil War Park. Um, but I, I think the the expanse of Culpeper is much larger than mm. um, than what's been preserved in Stafford. Unfortunately, much of Stafford has been, uh, as we can all attest to it has been uh, heavily developed, but I'll also go back to what Phil mentioned about Great Bridge. Great Bridge is a is a very neat little site uh, mm -hmm. that I'd highly recommend uh, visiting. Uh, you do have to drive away depending on where you're coming from, but the friends group down there is fantastic. They've put together a a really nice museum and visitor center, fantastic facility there. So I, I would highly recommend if you have the opportunity to take a visit over to Great Bridge. And we were um... I guess I should answer one of my own questions about um, we were talking about memories or greatest thing on battlefields and so forth. Um, it was actually a um, uh, come up today. Five years ago, I was serving as the uh, chief of interpretation at Morristown National Historical Park, and uh, I had to go get groceries. So I was going to 
target target or wherever I was going to find. And I started finding signs for the Battle of Bound Brook. And so <laughs> as a history nerd, of course, now I'm interested. And so um, someone did mark that uh, Short Hills and Bound Brook and other ones need better interpretation. I do agree because not only had, did I have trouble finding these sites in the um, dusk hours, but it took so long that um, Target was actually closed by the time I got to Target to get groceries. So if Bound Brook had better interpretive signs, I would have actually had groceries that night. Um, instead, I was forced to eat fast food the next day. So um, the Red War is still causing uh, issues uh, today. But um, it's just one of those neat stories. Like you see that sign, how many people drive along the road, you see a sign, yeah. you go, oh, mm-hmm. I want to turn it over um, and try to, and then you go down these, these rabbit holes. Um, had another one where I did the same thing in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, um, and realized that it was uh, named after Richard uh, Montgomery, the first, uh, mm-hmm. the general fell. Um, and it was actually a Maryland's way of saying, like, up yours to the British, because it's one of the first uh, colonies, territories, mentions, counties that our name has changed um, or when it split off from Frederick and not named for anything related to the British monarchy or back to British mm-hmm. royalty or so forth. So, mm-hmm. um I'm sorry we could uh, enter into a very long discussion about all the uh, various sidetracks um, that we go on and uh, and preservation. But uh, um, as we wind down, though, uh, here last uh, t- uh, 10, 15 minutes, um, is there anything that we, we've missed talking about great uh, Revolutionary War battlefields or uh, anything of that nature? Um, how about what is your favorite monument on a Revolutionary War battlefield? Can we all can't say the uh, boot, right? The boot marker <laughs> is that is that number one, <laughs> one and all and everything. Um, ooh, that that's that is a good one though. Uh, I won't pick that one. Um, anybody else feel free to jump in? I'm trying to like catalog all the ones down my head and my head. It, right it's now. it's a monument technically. It's a monument, but it's also a headstone, a gravestone, and that's John Marshbanks at Utah Springs. I think that that's the one that stands out. He's a British officer, dies a, uh, shortly after the battle takes place, and he is brought – he fights, obviously, at Utah Springs, uh, and he's brought from um, his initial resting place back to uh, the battlefield. So. Well, that's a good one. Um one that's coming to my mind right now was just kind of neat to um to find uh, and so forth when uh rob and i were doing the uh the books on lexington and concord uh concord i'm sorry lexington and concord uh we uh found uh the one at lechmere point where the british landed um and uh, if boston has been filled in has grown a little bit and so forth so it was really neat to get um to that it's i think it's outside of um a office building or uh, it's a large story building today and uh, having that little monument and then also trying to find, get pictures of it um, and everyone else. I mean, hundreds of people walking by during the day, middle of the day in, in the, in the Boston's uh, area there, just taking a picture and realizing that like what this would have been like 1775. I mean, dark back Bay, British landing, getting across the, uh, the, the back Bay uh, and, and what those men would have thought marching off into the, into the dawn. Um, that and then the uh, the Liberty Tree uh, one where the marker is, um, and uh, doing something totally American there and eating a Dunkin' Donut donut while standing at the Liberty Tree marker in Boston, uh, kind of one of the the highlights um, of my uh, uh, military or my history historian nerd career. So, 
Yeah, I'll say um, for mine, since we're not using the Arnold Boot Monument, um, the Princeton Battle Monument, I think is incredibly impressive. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, but uh, so listening to me, let's just kind of go down this rabbit hole. Um, what is your favorite is that a statue of a uh, military figure from the revolution on a battlefield? Mm-hmm. Now that there's two that come to mind. I love, I like greens at Guilford. Yeah, that's a great one. And I like the new Baron Von Steuben one at Valley Forge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a an impressive one. Location is, is, is everything. And okay. Von Steuben has the one at Mammoth as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the one at Valley Forge where he's just looking out across the the, yeah. the drill field is just you're just like, yep. That definitely played a lot more important of a role there at Valley Forge than he did at Monmouth. I mean, you have to book at him though. I mean, like he's Valley Forge and Monmouth. I mean, you can't you can't have one without the other. <laughs> I'll go back to the monument one real quick, but the one that another one that comes to mind is uh, the monument at uh, Kings Mountain on top of Kings Mountain. That's a pretty decent one. And I and I mentioned just to clarify something I said earlier. Marchbanks has a headstone. Uh, there is the DAR monument that's next to his grave that was placed right next to him. So, and uh, I got uh, here's a one shout out. Uh, we, Anthony Wayne is getting some love on our uh, comments, which I don't think I could probably go the rest of my life without saying those words in that sentence. Anthony Wayne is getting some love. Um, for his uh, Valley Forge equestrian. Valley- Forge equestrian one, one, but Nicholas mm-hmm. with the the winner. Uh, I like the Anthony Wayne one at Falling Timbers outside Toledo, yeah. Ohio. Oh yeah, um, impressive. That's the one I've not I've not been to Falling Timbers, so that is on the bucket list of battlefields. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a really good one. And then uh, Christopher uh, with the I uh, like his the Captain John Parker statue on Lexington Green mm-hmm. comes to mind. Um, although he uh, probably did not utter his famous words. Um, there but um he's one of those unsung heroes i think later on that day talking about being on the battlefield of having his militia still under arms and ready to um to fight the british as they come back from uh conquered uh that afternoon after basically having uh bloodied that morning and then having um the first shots be right in the middle of their town that he's able to keep on a command and control um which is a better testament than whether he actually said if, the, if they mean a war, let it begin here or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, um, a few more that came in. Uh, we've got uh, Mary Corbin's grave. Um, Princeton is fantastic. The Boston Landing at Charleston Navy Yard. So yeah, just a just a few there. But um, before we do, I know uh, we're coming to mention oh. mention too real quick. Um, since we're going off off battlefield for some of them, but uh, Molly Hayes or Mary Hayes, Molly Pitcher's um, statue done by Jay Otto Schweitzer above her grave right in the old Carlisle Cemetery. Yeah. Pennsylvania is really well done. Agreed. That's a, that's a good one. So, um, any, uh, so as you start to wrap up here, uh, any last, um, things that we've got there, we have famous battles, unpreserved sites, preserved sites. We went down some rabbit holes. This is literally a historian happy hour, um, extraordinaire. So, uh, really appreciate it, gentlemen. Um, also, also everyone, Oh, wait, one more come in. The Washington at the Ford Mansion at Morristown across the street. Good equestrian mm-hmm. statue there um, everything. Um, but uh, any last comments or any plugs for preservation? Any uh, initiatives that uh, um, you're allowed to uh, talk about, Dan or uh, Billy? Anything going on? 
I mean, I would just say, you know, the best way to experience these battles and get an understanding of the past and the people who live through them is get out, get out on the ground, walk the ground uh, as much as you possibly can. Yep. Perfect. And to do that, I mean, there are some um, American Battlefield Trust is doing Twilight Tours and so forth this year. Um, there's ones at places, I think, uh, aren't you doing Princeton, Billy, or have that already happened? Uh, no, not yet. So there's one in Princeton. I know uh, a few others from Emerging Revolutionary War are helping doing one down at Guilford later in the summer as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the way to do it. Battlefields.org uh, to find uh, anything from preservation to um, their conferences to just maps, um, some great overlay maps yeah. and so forth. Uh, EmergingRevolutionaryWar.org, um, which uh, as we get primed for the America's 250th, which is uh, coming up, I mean, at the end of this year, calendar year, you have the 250th of the Boston Tea Party. Um, is a site for uh, how to keep up to date with what's going on um, and so forth. So, uh, but uh, we were also, remember, uh, we're back to the two weeks. So in two weeks from now, uh, we will be uh, back talking about actually the Battle of Camden. Um, all that can be expected, the Battle of Camden and the high tide, uh, the British high tide in the South, which happens to be the title of the next book in the Emerging Revolutionary War series that is outcoming. So uh, we really Southern theater centric. We have um, the uh, uh, the siege of Charleston um, and now Camden. Um, we also will be going to Charleston in November. Um, uh, Mark Malloy uh, and uh, we'll actually be visiting Utah Springs as well. Um, we'll have the uh, Ranger and historian Bert Dunkley, uh, another great historian for Emerging Revolutionary War. Um, He's a little, uh, but not perfect because he does uh, have a very bad choice in sports teams, but uh, we won't go down that route. So remember two weeks from now, Emerging Revolutionary War, we'll be back live here um, with talking about Camden. Uh, that is the first weekend of August there. Uh, but we thank everyone for joining today. All your comments um, about all the um, interest, all these small little battlefield historic sites. Uh, we really appreciate your comments because it also shares it with other folks about how to go visit. Um, now I really want to go to Fallen Timbers uh, myself. So, But also, too, I'd like to thank uh, Dan Davis and the American Battlefield Trust um, for uh, being part of this as well. Uh, and also, uh, Billy, uh, thank you um, for joining in. Thank you. So any uh, before we wrap up here, any last comments, thoughts, suggestions? All right. Well, uh, um, from uh, all of us, Emerging Revolutionary War, uh, we uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you back here in two weeks for the next uh, Rev War Revelry. Uh, have a good evening, everyone.